This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast that takes a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week marks the 300th episode of the Bobcast. To mark this occasion, we welcome someone to the show who embodies what it means to be a Bobcat, Dean James Reese, who takes us down memory lane of his time working Bates basketball games and much more. Plus, meet Watson fellow and women's track and field senior captain Elizabeth LaCroix. All that and more coming up on the 300th episode of the Bates Bobcast. The softball team opened NESCAC play on Saturday with a doubleheader against Middlebury. The Bobcats took Game 1 3-0 before falling 4-3 in Game 2 to the Panthers. The 3-0 victory in Game 1 was sparked by first-year Delaney Rankin, who struck out six batters in a complete game shutout. Rankin also helped her own cause at the plate, blasting a solo home run to dead center field. And Delaney Rankin is our female Bobcat of the week. My mom played softball in Massachusetts growing up. She also played baseball, and it was her favorite sport. I also had two older siblings who both played softball and baseball, so I was just kind of born into it, and then I really um, just grew to love it from my mom. So what made Bates the place for you when you were looking at schools? It was my first choice, and I knew it was a really good school, and since I was Coming to school for school, but also to be able to play softball, I was really um, looking to have a good school and a good program. And then also when I met um, all the girls on the team, it just seemed like a really good fit for me. So Great. So tell us a little bit about um, you know, the game there on Saturday. Uh, you threw a complete game shutout against Middlebury, a team from your home state. <laughs> so uh, take us through kind of what was working for you out there in the circle. Um, yeah, so I could just feel my teammates behind me. It was actually a, it was kind of a hard day for me because my childhood best friend had died a year ago that day. And so I don't know if people noticed, but we were wearing pink. My whole team was um, behind me on that and really supported me through that. So I honestly, I owe it all to my teammates. But um, especially my catcher was really supporting me through that. And then everyone had really good plays and I just really wanted to win. <laughs> Wow. So, yeah, I mean, that teammate support, I mean, tell us a little bit more about that, I guess. I mean, they knew about that, even though this happened like a year ago? Um, yes. Actually, she went to my friend. She went to Trinity College, and Bates was playing Trinity the weekend that she passed away. So they had already known about it, but I told them a little bit more about it. So they were really supporting me through that, yeah. And you mentioned the catcher, obviously, senior Amanda Taylor. What So what's it like working with her? Um, yeah, so we call our own pitches. Coach doesn't call our pitches. She lets us call the game, so... Um, it's really about like you have to get that bond and it's kind of obviously it's hard because she's a senior and I'm a first year so it's our first time working together but I think we were really coming into it and she really supports me and um, lets me shake her off but also knows what's knows what's working that day so great and um, in terms of your pitch mix what do you bring out there um, I really like curveballs <laughs> I throw a lot of curveballs and um, located fastballs excellent then um, can't Forget about your first collegiate home run to dead center field. What did you see on that pitch? Uh, I knew it was 2-0, and coach had told me, like, can you get a base hit up the middle? And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll try. So I was just thinking, I'm going to hit up the middle. <laughs> and I knew she was coming coming right for me with the 2-0 pitch, so I was ready. And did you hit a lot of home runs in high school? 
Um, yeah, I had quite a few. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so not, not a new experience hitting nah. a home run, but what was it like to have all your teammates, you know? Oh, uh, that was crazy. I really, <laughs> um, we have a, I just really felt their support in that moment. Um, when they were all, they were all very excited for me and like feeling my joy, which is one of our, um, like big things this year that coach wants us to work on is feeling our teammates joy. And I can really feel, I feel joy for them when they're doing good. And then they come, them running out to me was like, that was a big moment for me. Great. And then obviously a, a, a deep pitching staff, a lot of pitchers this year, a lot of first years also. So what's that group like? Um, I really love to work with our pitching staff and it's really nice knowing that, um, when you're when you're in the game there's always someone that can come pick you up in the game a reliever so um but yeah I've also relieved for them and they're gonna relieve for me and I think it's just great to know that we can have each other's back you mentioned coach uh, Kat McKay head coach uh, her first year at Bates as a head coach um she was assistant a little bit last year here but uh tell us a little bit about her and what you've learned from her so far you know being a rookie I love coach McKay I think she's a great coach she really lets us like figure it out during the game but she's always there to support us and she one of my favorite things about her is that she lets us have a good time as well like during practice I'll be like her peanut gallery when she's hitting to the infielders and I I like to make her laugh we have a lot of fun at practice so I think that helps us a lot keep the game light but also working to get better great we mentioned you know how your family was really into softball and baseball Pitching specifically, though, when did you? I mean, is that have you always been a pitcher? No, I didn't start pitching until I was like 13 years old. Okay, I think my mom always wanted me to be a pitcher, but I just did not want to be a pitcher. Did not want to be a pitcher until one time I tried it out and I was like, oh, okay, I could, I could be good at this. So then I wanted to work harder at it, and um, then she was like, okay. So once she kind of like laid off me being a pitcher, then I wanted to be a pitcher. <laughs> Excellent. Um, and so what have you been working on this year? I mean, you know, this being your first year in college, you know, adjusting to the college level compared to high school. Um, yeah, it's definitely different. And I would say that even like NESCAC play is different than like our games in Florida. It was definitely a different feel. I was a little bit more nervous. There was a little bit more of a like, a, this matters like a little more. Um, but I've been just working on like making my spins tighter and um, being able to locate the ball more. And I work with uh, Coach McKay on that a lot. So you finally, I hope, will have a home game uh, this Friday, Bowden, uh, for a doubleheader actually. Um, so you know, Bates Bowden rivalry being from Vermont, does it mean a lot to you? Have you learned a lot about it? I don't know a lot about it, but I know <laughs> that um, I know it's a big, uh, big rivalry. So I'm hoping that we can sweep them. It'd be great <laughs> if we could sweep them. I know that um, our our field has been our defense specifically, mm. especially against Middlebury, was top-notch like we had two people thrown out from from the outfield Sarah Cook absolutely gunned those girls down and then all the outfield going back to the fence for balls that look like they're going to be doubles triples that's crazy and then our infield is just completely locked in so hopefully we can do that again on Friday yeah, certainly. I mean, how excited are you to be, you know, playing in front of the home fans here finally, right? I'm very excited. It was it was it was very good that we could go to Colby and play, but it was disappointing obviously right. not to be able to play at our home field. Uh, so hopefully we'll get the field ready for Friday doubleheader against Bowden Delaney. Just inner thoughts you wanted to share on, you know, the first two NESCAC games of the season? I'm just uh I'm pretty happy with how we played and hopefully we'll be able to Get some wins against Bowden. All right, Delaney Rankin, our female Bobcat of the Week. Uh, complete game shutout against Middlebury, plus her first collegiate home run. Thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
The men's track and field team won the Bates quad meet on Saturday, starting the outdoor season on the right foot. Bates took first in 11 events, and senior captain Colby Staken Pickering was involved in three of those victories, winning the 100-meter dash, the 200-meter dash, and helping Bates win the 4x100 relay. The 4x100 team's time of 42.75 seconds is the ninth fastest time in Bates history, and Colby Staken Pickering is our male Bobcat of the week. Well, Colby, the first outdoor track meet of the year was certainly everything you could hope for in Maine, right? Uh, so yes, interesting weather. Take us through the conditions you guys were going through um, there on Saturday. It was very interesting, and they weren't even consistent over the course of the day. So in the very beginning around noon, uh, 11 a.m. and noon was when the first event started going off, and it was still like maybe high 30s, low 40s, rainy. Um, enough rain where like you're soaked, your clothes are soaked, and it's kind of miserable, miserable to be out there. Um, and then over the course of the day, it started to heat up. I think by the end of it, around like 4 or 5 p.m., it was like 50 degrees, and the rain was on and off at that point. So I was I was lucky to have my 100-meter and 200-meter not in the rain, um, but the, the 4 by one was still in the rain, which kind of stunk, but it, it was fun. Well, in the 4x1 and um, your individual events, you got the victory in all three of those. Um, the 4x1, of course, was the one talking to all the sprinters everyone was excited about. I know Truman Williams joined the three we talked about in the winter. So take us through that group and the victory there. Yeah, it's a lot of fun because um, we're always, you know, in practice, subtly competing against one another and in all of our events, subtly competing against one another. But it's something special when you get to bring everyone together and we're all kind of working together for a common thing. And so for us this year, We've been trying to kind of d define an overarching goal of what we want um, and kind of like the first thing on that list would be to get down to 42 flat or that school record and then kind of continue to chip away at the time from there. Um, and so just getting practice each day, we'll do like some handoff. Sometimes coach will come up to us. We'll be lifting in the weight room and he's like, oh, all right, here's a baton. You're going to do some practice and we'll take us out into the hallway. We'll do that. Um, that day in particular, it was interesting because since it was so rainy and cold we warmed up inside um did some practice handoffs inside and then like five ten minutes before our race went outside and we were we were just out there just to you know get there put our tape down so when we do the exchanges we put tape on the track just so we know like roughly when to start running uh relative to when the incoming runner is uh, so got out there put the tape down ran and then jackets right back on went back inside <laughs> yeah certainly um you know you mentioned the school record, obviously, this, you know, the four by one, the school record from you guys are in the top 10, but the school record is not that far away, right, yeah. in terms of what you can get to. I mean, mm -hmm. I assume in better conditions, you might have a very good chance, right? Yeah. So it, it is an interesting question and kind of one that there's a little bit of guessing with of how your 100 meter PRs can turn into a four by one. Because sometimes you might take the, you might expect the fastest four guys on the team to give you the best four by one. But there's also a huge aspect of the chemistry and how smooth those handoffs are. So sometimes you might have an individual who might not have fastest 100 meter time, but they might just have like such supreme chemistry with someone that they're never dropping a handoff and they're getting the uh, baton across like as fast as possible. So that's something that we're working on, that chemistry aspect. Uh, I think we all have the speed to really achieve something great. And so, I mean, it's Derek's first outdoor season ever, yeah. which is something really interesting uh, and fun to watch. So getting him kind of used to even just the elements, like it's kind of weird to say, but he was talking to me the other day about just how it's different running inside versus outside. And you kind of take that, like you, you never really think about that. Um, and like, oh, now there's a cross breeze. So my, my start might be a little bit different because there's something like pushing on me. I think just kind of 
continuing to get the practice in and kind of smooth those things out. And then it's a fairly long outdoor season, I guess. Like the original uh, couple, so originally on our schedule, we have like four meets that everyone participates in. Mm -hmm. But then beyond that, there's just so many different invitationals and like you add extra meets. So for example, NESCAX is one that we have outdoor, but not indoor. Right. um, As well as Open New England's, um, which is all three divisions at a New England meet. So we have that, which we didn't have indoor. So we'll we'll be able to continue to run further and further into the uh, the spring slash summer and uh, hopefully get some good conditions. Excellent. Well, you mentioned, you know, it wasn't raining during your individual events, but were your clothes already soaked <clears throat> from being out there earlier? Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. So I don't know who did it, but I'm very thankful for them. They set up a big Bates tent right by the 100-meter start. Okay. So I would walk outside, walk to the track, and then go right underneath that tent. And then I could take off my stuff and leave all my like shoes and stuff there for the, the 10 minutes that I'm competing and then come back and those wouldn't be too soaked. The thing that was a little bit annoying, but I, like, I can't really complain too much about it because it's pretty subtle, was uh, my shoes getting wet. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, you're, you're running in your shoes and the track is kind of wet. Um, it's actually pretty funny. Before the races, there's these like big squeegee kind of things that people will come out and try to like dry the track off. It, it, it looks so silly because it looks like someone's just like sweeping the track. Um, but it does does definitely help. But your shoes will get a little bit wet, and so you have to try to dry them out. Um, sometimes it's – I mean, you could argue that it changes your performance, but I think it's just kind of like personal comfortability. Yeah. Like you don't want wet socks or wet shoes, though. So. I think one of my favorite things to see from the photos from the meet were the steeplechasers. Oh, I, I love <laughs> Did you get to watch those races? Uh, I did a little bit, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and it's that's such a fun race to watch. And I think it's also – it seems like it's a fun race to participate in. Yeah. Um, maybe the last couple laps aren't super fun because you, you are racing a distance race. But it seems like people have a lot of fun and, like, everyone's friends are there supporting them too because it's, it's more of a – it's more of a spectacle, I feel mm-hmm. like, than like a super, you know, cutthroat race. And so everyone's friends will be out there with their cameras filming everything. You know, sometimes someone will take a tumble, but they'll be in good spirits and come out of it like waving their hands and stuff. So it's a very, very fun one to watch. I was just thinking like, you know, having the water pit and it's already pouring rain. That must be quite the interesting. Yeah, it was, it was kind of <laughs> overflowing a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> right. But what's fun about the water pit too is once uh, the weather gets hotter and it's like 70, 80 degrees, after practice, you can just go sit in it. It's kind of like a, not quite a hot tub, but it's like this little tub that you can just relax in. So I've done that a few times, and that's cool. <laughs> there you go. And the men obviously got first place there at the quad meet, 100 points, won 11 different events. Um, so in terms of the team as a whole, you know, being one of the captains, what's it like to see such a strong start? Yeah, it's uh, it's really good to see a strong start. And we've had our sights set on performing pretty well at Descax for a while. Um, last year, we had the unfortunate circumstance where some of our athletes were taken out due to COVID. Um, and so I think this year, just like really bouncing back and coming back with as much energy and, you know, excitement to try to beat those other teams. I mean, we've got a little bit of a chip on our shoulder and we, we were enemies with some of the teams, you know, like obviously we want to beat Bowden, we want to beat Tufts and stuff. So, you know, they might think that we're, we're not that great, but we'll come back and we'll really show them what the real Bates team is. I think this year we're really setting ourselves up to do well. Great. And you had senior day that morning. So what was it like to having, getting all the seniors together for that? It was fun. I I didn't actually realize how many seniors were on the team because mm. you don't really get them all in one spot, like in one big line together very often. 
So it was cool to have what we did was on the indoor track, we kind of made a line and coach went down the line saying our name and our major. And we had the rest of the team and their uh, our like parents and other spectators sitting on the bleachers. And it was really cool to be able to look out and see kind of the, the younger crowd and the team that you're you're leading and that you're part of. And then all of your parents are there, which kind of makes it a fun thing, too, just because. You know, they're, they're here to watch you and support you. And then just kind of going down the list and thinking about, oh, wow, I've been on the team with them for three, four years. You know, they're they're working on this. They're really passionate about this. Like, that's their major. And just kind of, I don't know, very sentimental in some sense. Or It, it was cool and fun to be a part of. Excellent. You guys are going to um, New York, right, RPI, uh, this weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, sir. We're going to Troy, New York. And so that's... A good thing or a bad thing, depending on who you ask. Some people uh, really like to travel, and they, I think it's warmer over there. Um, this past weekend, I kept getting reminded that it was like 70 or 80 degrees there, and everyone's like, man, we should have gone this week. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's also a, a five-hour drive probably by yeah. bus, which I think, thankfully, we're heading uh, we're heading there on Friday for the Saturday meet, okay. which means we won't have to get up at 4 a.m. and drive. But uh, some people like travel, some people don't. Uh, I think it really depends, but uh, I just like going to the meets. Sure. And I assume you're riding the 4 by one probably every week, basically? Is that? Yeah, it kind of depends a little bit on the conditions. Okay. Um, I think what our strategy might be will be to enter us in it and then kind of come that day, decide whether the conditions are good such that we could hopefully run a fast 4 by one or if people are entered into individual events, kind of figuring out, would this be too much stress on their body to run a four by one? Or like, is this an opportunity where we can test out some different like handoff or exchanges, you know, and kind of see how different chemistry works on the team. So I think for these next few meets, it might be a good kind of test environment um, as we lead up to some of the bigger meets. But once we get to the bigger meets, it'll definitely be, you know, time to perform. Great. Well, and, you know, being a captain, I'm curious about any of your teammates who you noticed who really stuck out, I guess, on Saturday in terms of performances, younger guys, perhaps. Yeah. I would say I think one big shout-out would be to Matt Hamilton. Uh, mm-hmm. He had high jumped about 6'3". Um, I forget exactly what like the meter-centimeter thing conversion is. But that was really cool. And I think it was something that went a little bit under the radar because the jumps were still inside. Right. The, the high jump and the pole vault were still inside. So while a lot of athletes and spectators were outside, they were still you know doing their own thing, working really hard on the indoor track. So I think that would be my biggest shout-out. Yeah, I got uh, the victory there in the high jump. Yeah. Yeah. Also, just a very impressive mark. I mean, if you look at the the standing of that in New England right now, I think it's like third or so, mm. which, is, which is very good. Excellent. Awesome. So, yeah, I guess any other thoughts you wanted to share on the upcoming outdoor season with one meet under your belt already we haven't got to talk about? Overall, just gaining more experience and, and competing more outdoor will be good for everyone. I think we've got a good team set up right now and just continuing to, to settle in and get better every week by working out and doing what we can. I'm looking forward to the way it goes. Awesome. Colby Steak and Pickering, winner in the 100 meters, the 200 meters, and part of the winning 4 by 100 relay at the Bates Quad Meet. Bobcat men's team victorious there on Saturday. Our male Bobcat of the Week. Thanks so much. Thank you very much for having me. Very excited. On Saturday, women's track and field senior captain Elizabeth LaCroix qualified for the NESCAC championships with her time of 19 minutes, 43.22 seconds in the 5K. But that's not the biggest news involving LaCroix. Not even close. She is one of two Bates students to earn a prestigious Watson Fellowship. The Watson Fellowship is a one-year grant for purposeful independent exploration outside the United States, awarded to graduating seniors nominated by one of 41 partner institutions. LaCroix will be traveling to six countries over the next year to pursue her research. This Thursday is National Student Athlete Day, and LaCroix truly embodies what it means to be a student athlete.
Well, Elizabeth, first of all, before we talk about the uh, Watson, tell me a little bit about, you know, when you were looking at colleges back when you were in high school, what made Bates the place for you? When I started touring colleges, I really wanted the opportunity to, um, I, at the time, I wanted to be a doctor and I was pre-med, but I wanted to be an English major. And so I wanted the opportunity of being an English major, um, but still um, getting to take all the pre-med requirements. Um, And my trajectory kind of changed, but I knew like the liberal arts um, education is what I wanted. Um, And Bates was one of the schools that I toured and it was actually one of, I think it was definitely my best tour too. Um, the tour guide was really great. Um, and everyone was really friendly. Um, but especially when I met with the team, um, I went to, I think an, um, an invitational or something at Bowdoin, um, and talking to the teammates, I could really feel that I could really feel that I could be a part of the team um, and, like, the social aspect of it. And it seemed like a really good environment where people were involved with a lot of different things outside of running, which I really value. Um, And that's kind of how I decided that Bates was my top choice. And it was really exciting when I got in, so... And now fast forward senior year, you're a senior captain for both cross country and now track and field. What's that experience been like being one of the captains? Um, Really great. I mean, my teammates make the job so easy. Um, And it's it's really fun because especially if I think back to the captains who I looked up to um, when I was a freshman, um, I really wanted to carry, you know, their legacy Um, and they always really instilled, um, this idea of inclusivity on the team. And that's something that I really wanted to bring forward. Um, and that's been like mostly my focus. Um, and especially I feel like we are a big team now, um, of like 30, uh, uh, 30 women on the distance side and even around 60, um, for track. Um, I really wanted, um, everyone to feel like they could contribute to the team even if you're not like a scoring member of the team um, because I definitely have not been a scoring member of the team Um, and I just think there's so much more value that you can bring just besides you know scoring a point or so so um, that's kind of why um, those are kind of the things that I brought to um, being a captain this year. And you qualified personally for the uh, NESCAC championships in the 5K, right, this past weekend? Yeah, I yeah. did. <laughs> so take us through that race. Um, actually, it was my first time um, with a pacer. Uh, one of my teammates, um, Chrissy, who um, uh, ended up winning the 1500, she paced me in the 5K. And I've never had a pacer before. And it was so nice to just shut my brain off. Um, and, you know, the first few laps – um, we were, I think, hitting the exact paces that my coach wanted us to. Um, and then one lap, we were a little bit fast, um, but I actually felt good. Um, and Chrissy kind of looked behind to see if I was still there, even though we were going a bit faster, and I was, and I, I just went with it um, and ended up feeling great. Um, yeah, and I, I kind of had a, a tough indoor season, so it was really nice to feel good again, um, back to myself for my last season ever of um, competitive running. So, Excellent. And then, um, well, let's talk about the Watson Fellowship. This is a very prestigious honor. To, how did you um, apply for it? What was the process like? Yeah, so 
maybe last February, so over a year ago, um, I decided that I wanted to apply for the Watson Fellowship. I had actually learned about it my freshman year and was really interested by it um, just because it seemed like such a wonderful opportunity. Um, and over the course of my four years, I've kind of realized the kind of research that I want to do when I graduate. Um, but the issue with that is that no one really kind of does, um, that research, um, just because, um, it's women's health related and women's health research is vastly underfunded. Um, and the Watson would allow me to like get my foot in the door, of that field. Um, so I started the application process. Um, Robert Strong, who's a professor in the English department and the director of national fellowships here at Bates, um, really helped me um, throughout the entire process. I would send him drafts of my personal statements and project statements um, over the summer. And then in the fall um, is the Bates deadline. So with that, um, they basically um, you submit your application early, but to Bates, and then um, the Bates committee reviews them, um, and then they choose um, um, applicants who they would like to interview, and then there's an interview round, and then they choose four from the college that they want to nominate um, to submit applications to the actual fellowship, um, and then there's another round of interviews, um, and then um, then we found out in March, so... Yeah, it was a long, definitely a long process. <laughs> and uh, what was your reaction when you found out you got it? Um, I, it was absolutely disbelief. I never in a million years thought I would get something like this. I personally felt like I learned so much just from the application process about what I wanted to do and the research I wanted to do. So no matter what, I felt like I gained um, something from the application um, itself. Uh, so I felt accomplished in that way. Um, and I really was not expecting, um, to get it. And I was sitting in my, um, stat therms, uh, chemistry class. Um, and I just like lost complete focus. Um, uh, and it was my teammate, uh, who actually texted me cause she had been refreshing the website cause they don't tell you, they, they don't email you until much later. Um, so she was refreshing the website and then I got a text from her and she's like, you got the Watson. And I, I, it was, it was just a really, um, really crazy moment <laughs> Excellent. for sure. Yeah. Well, we have a whole article, of course, up on the website about this. Um, there's two Bobcats who are, um, who are in Watson's, of course, Elizabeth being one of them. Elizabeth, I'm just curious about um, so many different countries you're going to and, and how you all planning your travels right now. Yeah. So part of the application process was actually planning. Okay, um, yeah. yeah. So I've done a lot of that already. Yeah. Um, but then there's like the logistics part of making sure that um, I will have access to a phone and like I need to get international health insurance, that kind of thing. So I need to do that. Um, but I've already done like reaching out to my contacts in different countries. Um, so the people that I'm meeting know that I'm coming and when I'm coming and um, yeah. And I plan on like mostly the short term working on like the logistics part and aspect of my project. But I really did um, already plan like this is who I'm going to meet. Like this is where I'm going. This is kind of what my life is going to be like while I'm in the country, um, which I'm glad I already did because this is a really busy time of the year with finals and everything. So, yeah. How long in each country and which in which countries are you going to? 
Yeah, so I will be um, in Sweden. I start in Sweden for two months. Um, and then I go to Denmark also for two months. Um, and then the Netherlands uh, for one month. Um, Ecuador for two months. Um, and um, Beijing, China uh, for two months. And then India uh, for three months. Um, but again that those are all subject to change um that's just what i plan now um based on like what's current events going on in the world that kind of thing could affect it um also if i you know uh discover something that i didn't think i didn't plan on finding which i'm sure that's gonna happen that might change um where i go as well um so the whole part of the process is really being open to change and i think um I have to be kind of prepared for that as well. What excites you the most about this opportunity? I'm really excited uh, about talking to all these people um, around the world um, and all these different places about something that we're both really passionate about. Um, just kind of a quick little background on my project. Um, so my project is called The Global Story of Menstrual Pain. So I will be collecting the stories of researchers, medical practitioners, um, and patients um, who all deal uh, with this kind of pain. Um, and I'm really, because so few people do this research, um, it's really hard to find people who do. And But the people who do this research are really excited about talking to someone who's also interested. Um, and so I'm really, really looking forward to talking with these people um, and getting to hear their story and how they were, became involved um, in the research. Um, that's what I'm most excited for. How do you kind of find them? You said, you know, it's kind of rare. How do you how do you kind of find them, the, the people you want to talk to, I suppose? Right? Yeah. So I, I'm, I mean, simple Google searching yeah. first. Um, and then once I found like one researcher, um, I tended to find um, others because it is so small. They're all connected to one another. Um, and the thing about the research world is everyone tries to, for the most part, tries to share information with one another. Um, so some of the labs are connected to each other. And then from the labs, they're also connected to um, actual medical practitioners. Some of the researchers are medical practitioners. Um, and, um, of course, medical practitioners are also connected to the patients. Um, for countries where it's not in, like, the typical research setting, um, like in Ecuador, I'll be going to an integrative medicine health center. Um I found this uh, news article um, that someone wrote about this place um, years ago, and it turns out it's still there. Um, so that's actually how I found it about um, this um, integrative medicine hospital. Um, so all different ways, um, but that's mostly because um, everything is so interconnected. Um, that made it a little bit easier. Excellent. Then you mentioned, you know, coming into college, thinking about being a doctor, perhaps. What are your thoughts now in terms of like a career path after this whole yeah. Watson adventure? Yeah. So um, I realized that um, because I wanted to make these larger impacts on the way we treat menstrual pain, um, I realized that a career in research would probably um, be more helpful for that. Um, also, I, um, for the past two years, I've been doing research here at Bates, um, and I've kind of really come to love that. Um, 
I love organic chemistry um, and I really hope that my life in the future includes organic chemistry research. Um, so after my uh, Watson year, um, I will be applying for PhD programs this year and hopefully I'll get in for chemistry um, and one day I hope to open up my own lab um, doing this kind of research. Excellent. Yeah. Well, and then I guess the question here, going back to athletics a little bit, is how have you been able to balance all of this with being in season, you know, all, all three uh, fall, winter, and spring, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I actually think being having the same routine for the past four years has been really helpful for time management. I think if I didn't have those two hours a day that were designated to not thinking about school, I wouldn't actually be as successful. And I think a lot of my teammates would agree. Um, I would say that pretty much everyone on the women's track and field team are involved in more than just um, track and cross country. Um, everyone um, has something else that they do on campus um, that has allowed them to kind of open up um, their skill set and their circle. And just like... Um, I feel like we all kind of create this environment that really allows for that to happen um, and support one another in that. Um, so that's kind of how I've been able to balance is just because of this support system that I have and this built-in two hours of my day every day where I have a break <laughs> from running. Excellent. Did you present the Mount David Summit? I did, yes. Okay, tell us about that experience. Yeah, uh, that was really fun, um, mostly because all of my teammates came, which is really exciting. Um, but it was really great to um, get to share the research I've been doing. I've been doing the same research for the past two years, um, which has been really cool. And I've been able to uh, really focus on this project, um, which is one of the reasons why I now want to um, get a PhD. Um, and... Yeah, it was just really, it was really great to um, have some sort of conclusion of the work that I've been doing and get to share it with um, people in my life that are important to me. And doing all this while an English major? Yeah. <laughs> so that's like totally different. So what's, what's yeah. kind of like that dynamic, I guess, right? Yeah. Um, I feel like my, so my, I did my English thesis last semester um, and my thesis advisor, uh Professor Lillian Nader, um, she was really well aware of the kind of balance that I had to do. I was taking two um, harder chem classes at the same time and doing my chemistry thesis as well. Um, I just feel like um, here at Bates, people are really open to double majors and um, think it's really important that students have this experience where they're allowed to do um, like com two completely different disciplines. I'm definitely, I'm definitely one of many here at Bates who um, do that. And honestly, it's I think it's really it's more help. It's helpful because in my time here during the semester, um, I take like having a wider range of classes is actually probably better because I'm, you know, I don't I'm not doing all chemistry. I'm not doing all English. I have I get to use different areas in my brain and it's probably actually less taxing, I think, than if I were to do like completely the same thing for the entire semester. Excellent. Well, any other thoughts you wanted to share on either the Watson Fellowship or perhaps, you know, 
last week's uh, track meet in the in the pouring rain there at Russell Street. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully we get uh, some better weather soon. <laughs> always the first track meet, outdoor track meet of the year. It's there's always snow on the ground, yeah. or it's uh, the weather is horrible. Um, but that just means it's going to get better. <laughs> um, but no, that's that's it. Thank you so much for having me on the Bobcast. Associate Dean for International Student Programs, James Reese, has worked at Bates since 1977. During the winter, he is a fixture at Alumni Gym at the scorer's table. Somehow, over the course of 300 episodes, we have never had him on the Bobcast. Until now. So you graduated from Middlebury. Yes, I did. You played basketball at Middlebury. Um, And then right after you graduated, you came to Bates. How did that opportunity open for you? Uh, great. Um, and I'll initially say that when I was at Middlebury and playing basketball, our favorite place to play was Bates College. So more on that later. <laughs> so as a senior, I was uh, contemplating you know, my future. I was interested in college administration. I had applied for a couple of admissions jobs at a, for a few other schools. And I had a friend, actually, who was working at Bates, and she had graduated uh, two years earlier than me. So she calls me one morning in April and says, hey, you know, um, I'm going to be leaving Bates uh, from my two-year position, and I'm going off to graduate school. You always ask me so many questions about my job. I thought you might be interested to apply, James. And I said, yes, I am. So I was thinking to myself, I don't remember asking her so many questions, but then I thought about it, and I said, I think I was the only one that was asking her questions about (laughs) what she did at Bates. And so uh, wonderfully... um, I applied and um, graduation came and went. I was home, got a call from uh, uh, Dean of uh, Students uh, here at the time, asking me to come up and interview in June. And I, you know, was very excited, came up, interviewed, and, uh, you know, got, was fortunate enough to get the position. Excellent. And you mentioned earlier that Bates was one of your favorite places to play. Why was that? Well, I made the team at Middlebury uh, my first year. And the the teammates said immediately, the best place to play in the league is Bates. And I said, oh, yeah, why is that? You know, they said, because it's a little small gym, but the crowd comes out in bigger numbers than in all the other schools. You know, sometimes they have a band, there's music going, people up in the balcony in those days. And it's an incredible environment, and uh, you're going to love it. So I said, oh, great, when are we going? You know, and they said, we're going next year. (laughs) Because in NESCAC, you play each team once, and so we played Bates at home that year they beat us and uh, then in my sophomore year we came to uh, Bates and uh, and uh, actually what they said um, was uh, completely true I can elaborate on that if you want sure all right well I walked into the gym and I'm, I'm bragging here <laughs> they said uh, and I believe this Larry Bird could walk into a gym and he could look at a hoop to see if a, if they were the right height in the whole bit you know so I walked into the gym I thought thought two things it was really small <laughs> so I said to my teammates I said this place <laughs> and they said oh oh I said they said don't worry just wait until tonight and so I also looked at the hoop underneath the uh, balcony, and uh, that's been repaired. It was like an inch off, you know, I would say, you know. But, well, uh, the hours went by, and finally uh, we were prepared to have the game. And so we run out onto the floor um, for the game. And, yes, there was a big crowd already at the game. That never happened at the other Nescat schools. I'll name them. Bowden, Wesleyan, Amherst, you know. <laughs> No crowds, you know, even at my own school, 
we had more than uh, usual at other places, but you know, it was it was enhanced by um, at Middlebury. They would have the on Saturdays, the hockey game and the basketball game at the same time, and they would time it so that our last ten minutes were during the uh, break between periods two and three for hockey and the whole crowd would come in to get warm <laughs> and they would clap for us while we would you know put the game away <laughs> so you asked me to elaborate now here it goes we're out on the floor for the warm-ups and uh and the Bates team came out and everyone's clapping and going I was really impressed by how many people are in the stands already maybe 300 more than that and then the warm-up music starts and it is Oh, 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 now all the veterans and listening to this one know that that's the beginning overture to Kung Fu Fighting by <laughs> Carl Douglas. So we're like, Kung Fu Fighting is the uh, warm up music. And it was. The song starts, you know, and up from the steps comes flying out onto the floor. A guy in a complete karate gi all dressed up and he starts dancing a karate dance to kung fu fighting and the crowd stood up and they were all dancing with him. And we were mesmerized. We were just fascinated, you know, and he was really, really good. <laughs> it happened to be a um, well-known personality of a person who unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago, John Jenkins. And John Jenkins was uh, doing the kung fu dance as for the warm up. And uh, and the whole crowd was dancing along, as I said, and we, we just couldn't believe it, you know. So I and others on the team, we really weren't warming up. We were just kind of like looking, <laughs> and, you know, and it was so energizing. It was such a good time. You know, the NBA does all of this loud stuff before the games these days, and I call it loud stuff. This was really well orchestrated. And so, you know, base was ahead of the curve, as usual, in terms of having, you know, great, you know, pregame um activities and, and music and I know so um but honestly the game started it was the best first half I've ever seen and, <laughs> and like both teams are just so excited to play and uh we actually ended up with a five-point lead uh, at the end of the first half and we went down to the locker room and we we're all talking to each other it's like man can you believe this atmosphere you know that guy was unbelievable this was great you know and you know and uh I don't know what the coach said if anything but we went back up and you know, we got lucky. We we scored the first ten points in the second half and kind of went off to a to a smooth victory. But it was an incredible environment. And after the game, the um, the Bates team came into our locker room mm. and they said, "Wow, we haven't seen a game team this good all year." You know, the week before, Bates had, had beaten Brandeis one hundred nine and one hundred eight <laughs> in overtime here. And I said, "How about Brandeis?" I said, "You guys are better than them." And we were like, and then we said the important question. Who was that guy? Right. <laughs> so, uh, so that was a, a great uh, initial memory uh, experience at Bates. Yeah, and John Jenkins, of course, was truly a martial arts uh, master, and, and he went on to be the mayor of Lewiston and Auburn at different times. And so, certainly, uh, did you get to know him maybe after you uh, arrived at Bates? Man, I'm smiling so much. About three years after I was here, yeah. John interviews for a housing position. Right. He gets the housing position. After the interview, and I had met John a few times, I went to him. I said, you know, John, that thing you did before the Bates games, that was incredible. And he looks at me and he says, what are you talking about? So I was amazed. I said, uh, well, you know, the, the Kung Fu dance, you know, the Carl Douglas Kung Fu fighting. He looks down at the ground. He looks up 
he says to me, you were here for that? And I smartly thought about it. And I said, what? You only did it once? He goes, yeah. You know, I was at dinner that night and the song was number one in the country at the time. Okay, yeah. And they said, you know, hey, we got to do this dance, you know, we're going to get some money together. So they collected like 50 bucks, you know, to, you know, have him go out on the floor and do it, you know. And he said, you know, it's good money in those days. And uh, he said, I thought it went pretty well. But they came to me for the next game and said, well, we lost the game. So <laughs> we're not going to do it again. So I... I regret that our team was responsible for the greatest pregame <laughs> exercise I've ever seen or experienced. And, uh, and so, yeah, we worked together in, uh, in, our, in the office. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, you know, it's funny. I can't even pinpoint the two years. We had so much fun every day because he's an incredible uh, wit, very humorous and ener- energetic. And uh, it was super two years. And then after that, I continued to get to know him as he went off to his political exploits and uh, and fame as such, you know, when they um, named the bridge between the two towns, uh, Lewiston and Auburn, the footbridge after him last year. I was very touched and worked with a group of people to put together a service for him. Uh, but that's a real um, appropriate kind of, um, you know, monument literally to John and all he, he was and continues to be. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. And then so after you come to Bates, your main job is supporting international students. But also, of course, you've been at the scorers table uh, for basketball games for many years now. How did that first come about and how has your role kind of changed? Because we talked off air. There's been some rule changes since you started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's interesting each year at the uh, first game. Uh, the refs come over to the table and say, any changes this year? You know, and I keep up with these pretty well. Yeah. Well, uh, somewhere in the uh, early, mid-80s, um, Bob Hatch was the uh, athletic director, and I loved the line. He said, uh, well, we had one person retire, and so we thought about it. And he said, you, you know so much about the game. We thought we'd ask you if you could run the clock <laughs> and keep the score. So I said, oh, yes, I'm honored, you know. And uh, and so I started out and then enjoyed it, you know, from that moment on. Uh, it was a volunteer position, and I was happy to do that. And as the years have gone by, you know, in terms of, you know, work, ec- equity, and ethics and the whole bit, uh, you know, they, you know, pay us for our duties at the table and whole bit and, you know. And so I thought about it, you know, many years ago and I said, hmm, I cannot believe this. I get paid to watch basketball. <laughs> so, And I have told people that if I was a really good person, I would like take that money and give it to some nice cause or charity, you know, but I should you know, keep the money. For it. <laughs> so, so it's been wonderful at the, at the table. And yes, there've been some changes, three point line, the shot clock. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll say this now uh, <laughs> rather than a little later. Uh, I enjoy the shot clock. I can watch the game and do the clock in terms of the rules, you know, quite easily. Um, I find that in these days we're keeping fouls and and uh, and everything else on the board with the scoreboard is you know looking up and down a lot more and so it's a little bit more tedious but uh, the shot clock I can just watch you know uh some entertainment sometimes I'll switch from my right hand to my left hand and see if you know just keep it keep the edge but this year and I had heard it um a few times in some um uh, milder forms but this year a referee came in 
and um, and oftentimes referees come up to me and say, "Well, thanks. You know, you did a great job on that play. You know, you didn't you know reset at the wrong time and the whole bit." A referee came in this year and he came up to the table and he said, "You know, this is my first time at the Bates Gym, and I have to tell you, people out there are telling me that you." Are the best shot clock person in New England. Wow. <laughs> I was like, well, thanks a lot. And I smiled, you know. <laughs> and I said, well, I hope I don't make a mistake in the first five minutes, you know. <laughs> but um, things went well. So, um, but, you know, it's a very serious, you know, role in watching television. I can pick out the shot clock, you know, errors <laughs> with a smile on my face and uh, my family and I would kind of laugh about that. But no, it's been good. And uh, so I guess they enjoyed the game and um, contribute to a very important aspect of, you know, uh, of the play, you know, keeping that time correctly. Uh, very important to the teams and even more important to the refs. <laughs> and uh, and I, I enjoy it. Excellent. And I know for years at the scorer's table, you worked alongside uh, Lee Campbell and, and Dick Wagner, some some legends here at Bates. Tell me some memories you have of them. Yeah. Um, Lee Campbell, um, my first day at Bates. Uh, there's a little bit of a tradition. A lot of departments, you know, you take someone on their first day out to lunch, you know, and we, you know, well, go to lunch, you know, we went to the den. So Lee Campbell comes and uh, along with a couple other people on my first day at Bates and said, we'd like to take you to lunch. And, uh, you know, I was very appreciative. And he said, um, I don't know if you remember me at all. Uh, you know, I, I do the, the book for the basketball team and, and I know of you and uh, you might not know of me. And I said, oh, I'm sorry, I don't remember you. <laughs> and um, but it was a wonderful lunch where we were taught basketball mainly. They did ask me at the end of the hour, you know, did I like baseball? And I said, oh, yes, I did, you know. And then I, I kind of cautiously started looking around the room and they said, uh, so who do you like? You know, I said, well, um, I am a New York Yankees fan lifelong <laughs> and it was silence at the table. <laughs> And uh, I can get away with this joke. I, and I said, well, you know, I guess, you know, we really did need to have a, some, a minority point of view here. You know. <laughs> so, um, but Lee, uh, a gentleman uh, dedicated to Bates, dedicated to the um, players, all the students here, director of financial aid. So many people talk to me then and now about, you know, because of him, they're time at Bates was uh, made and sustained by his uh, work. And uh, he was so modest, he would never take credit for anything. And he loved Mainers, <laughs> but he loved all students. And uh, so that was him in terms of an administrator at Bates. And um, then as far as uh, basketball, every ref and every coach, you know, who had been around for a while knew of Lee. You know, he would do his work here at Bates with basketball during the uh, um February vacation, he would be the primary scorekeeper at the the main state high school basketball playoffs. You know, he actually invited me in my early years to go up and catch those games. I fell in love with you know the arena in New Jersey. You play playoff games, you know, in your building, and there's not a lot of uh, comment about it. You know, here in Maine, towns empty out to go and you know follow their their high school team and uh, it was a great piece of Americana and uh, I enjoyed that. So he introduced me to that. And, um, and I also loved how, um, and it was because of his leadership along with Dick Wagner, who did the clock for a long time. And I would do the shot clock. Many refs would come over and say, best, best table in Maine, best, best table in Maine, you know? And um, we were proud of that. And, you know, 
glad to mention it here, but we didn't have shirts on saying best table in Maine. We could have. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Lee was very special for from that beginning day, you know, to have him, uh, you know, be so genuine and uh, inviting and come forth and um, invite me to be a part of the community and then to work together with him in, in those ways, you know, it was very special to me. Excellent. And then Dick Wagner, a little bit more about him, perhaps? Yeah, Dick. Uh, <laughs> Dick. Dick's not cantankerous, but he's, <laughs> uh, you know, he, he's, he, he, had, he was the emotion of the table. <laughs> and so he could, you know, you know, yell at a ref, <laughs> you know, mildly, you know, as they run by. And then I say, you got to put the points up, Dick, you know, and say, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, like that. And, you know, yeah, I'm getting to it in a whole bit. And uh, but very dedicated, you know, um, to his task and uh, could carry on. Uh, he'd be the leader of the conversation that would be going on. A lot of witticisms and you know, a few complaints and um, and and uh, but all genuine and and so I always look forward to arriving, you know, at the table to to work with Dick and of course with Lee. But you know, Dick was the energy, you yeah. know. So you know, and then when he comes into games now, you know, he always has something to say, and uh, and and you know, his, his as a professor. Um, uh, let's see, he did a course in group dynamics, all right, and it was really one of the most popular courses at the school. Where people, as a psychology professor, and they sit in a circle and kind of talk about how you know groups, you know, um, form and manifest themselves, and you know, and and a lot of students would say to me even now that in terms of a course that we all have that we use the most, you know, in our real real life, so many people who are psychology majors said that was the course, mm. Dick Wagner's course. Excellent. And then I, it might be hard, but through all your years working the table. What's maybe the most one of the most memorable or the most memorable Bates basketball moment that you you know even from today you still remember maybe from uh, you know <laughs> the early years or even more recent perhaps? Well, the the, the, the I give two. The short one is um, uh, we were playing uh, Clark University and they were I th- they might have been number one or number two in the nation oh. um, that week. And the year before, they had won the D3 National Championship. All right. So so this is not going to be a story that we won the game. We did not. <laughs> okay. We did not. We, so they had a, a guard on the team, and he had just transferred in that year from Cleveland State, mm. a team that had beaten Bobby Knight in Indiana in the playoffs, you know. And so he transferred to Clark. You know, he was from New England. And he became a starter on top of the All-American guard who had led them to the, you know, and so this team was loaded. Yeah. So the game starts, and uh, and uh, he comes down the floor, and he shoots a three. This is kind of in the early days of the three-pointer, right? So he, he fires off a three and swishes it, you know. We go up the floor. We miss a shot. He comes down the floor. He's three, four steps over half court. He launches the ball. He swishes it again. And then, you know, the third time down, he, you know, he looks like he's going to pull up for a three. He goes around and just puts in one of the most smoothest layups, you know, over the rim. You know, he was uh, about 5'11", almost dunked it. All right. Well, it's 8 nothing. We call timeout. <laughs> really, a minute had gone off the clock. So, um, so we go back out, and our player um, – 
has the ball inside and he gets fouled and our player kind of gives him an extra shove and then shove back, you know. So a little bit of, you know, ruckus starts up. So the refs have got it all situated. But they come over to, you know, like talk about it and they actually give a double technical and all that. So this new guard for Clark says right in front of the table, he said, I can't believe this. I'm going to score 50 tonight. <laughs> in that voice. He didn't score 50. He scored 44. <laughs> it was the most amazing exhibition I've seen in that gym. And wow, it was uh, threes and twos and layups. It was unbelievable. So, But uh, then that's one that's a little bit longer story. It's the, the Colby Mule mascot. 91. And uh, I'm embarrassed to say, I always say this. It was a season that started, and uh, I would go to all the games Bates versus Colby at Colby Bates versus Bowden at Bowden so I uh, 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 we were playing uh, Colby kind of midway through the season for the first time you know in that year's schedule and so I and we were going to play twice and so it was in January and and we were kind of 500 record at the time Colby was undefeated and so you would think I would go to games you you know you know great team this is but uh, something was going on, and, and I made an excuse, and I didn't go up to the game. And uh, um, I learned my first year that uh, all the games with Kobe and Bowden tend to be close. So long story short on that, we go to Kobe. They're undefeated. Bates wins. All right. Wow. Great. So Kobe has one loss all the way through the season until the final game when they're coming to Bates for the second game. <laughs> and so... The place is packed, you know, for because we've heard that Kobe's going to try to enact revenge because they have the one loss. And very interestingly, this is in the years just prior to NESCAC teams being able to go to the NCAA playoffs. Mm-hmm. So this was this was everything. Yeah. So we still have a 500 record, and I think we're 12 and 12, 11, 11. And then um, Kobe um, comes in with a 23 and one record, let's say. And there were so many people there that. For the 7.30 game, we had to close the doors at 7 o'clock, and people had to watch on closed-circuit TV around the campus. Kobe had brought 200 pan- fans, and so the whole side of the gym was full of their fans. All right. And the Kobe Mule is there, the mascot. So the Kobe Mule is going around, you know, heckling our fans and all that. And while I can't repeat what our fans were saying back to the <laughs> Kobe Mule, but, you know, you can imagine. And uh, it was pretty intense, you know what I mean? So finally the game starts, you know, uh, that time at 7.30. And uh, tie score 6-6. And then Kobe runs off a string of eight points. So they're up 14-6, to six, and they call a timeout, all right? Well, as is true now, we have the gentleman who goes out and spells Bates with his body to the crowd, and we've always had that at Bates, you know, in those days it was students. Well, the Kobe Mule decides to come out onto our floor and turn to their fans, as numerous as they were, and spell Kobe right in front of us during the timeout. And this the loudest booing I've ever heard in the gym, all right? And uh, spells twice is the tradition, you know. And then uh, our fans were just outraged. And then the Kobe Mule reaches up, takes uh, his hand and snatches off one ear, snatches off the other ear, takes the head off his head, throws it to the side, and rips open the front of the uh, costume and looks at the Kobe crowd and says, Aha, I got you. 
It was a Bates grad underneath who had bought a Kobe Mule mascot <laughs> uniform or <laughs> whatever and had done this. And he, he said, I got you. He turns around to the Bates crowd and spells Bates, B-A-T-E-S, the loudest I've ever heard it. <laughs> and yes, that <laughs> is the moment I talk about. <laughs> and I just got a front row seat to this. And... um. Yeah, that was a great moment. Well, I need um, to name that alum. I wonder who that was. Uh, uh, gosh, you know, it, it's embarrassing. <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited. I, it's his name, I'm going to shout it out in a second. He, he's actually on our alumni council now, oh, okay. so that, that helps, <laughs> okay. you know. And uh, and uh, and he had he had he had just graduated, and he, he got to, and his sister was going to Colby. She was at the game. <laughs> <laughs> and and so I tell everyone how. Uh, you know the crowd. Our crowd was so energized and all that, but you know the Kobe team was a little bit incensed, <laughs> so they played really well. We lost the game actually by twenty, but nobody cared. <laughs> right, right, excellent, <laughs> excellent. So I mean, you've been at Bates in '77. What about Bates has made you, you know, want to be here um, for your entire career? Yeah, thanks. Um, well, it was a two-year appointment, and uh, like the friend who had that, you know, and so. The answer is, uh, after two years, uh, Dean Kerrigan, uh, a, a, a man who I just uh, think the world of, you know, he's very accommodating me of, you know, my abilities and, you know, great advice and mentoring. And uh, he, he called me in and said, hey, would, I don't know, would you like to stay a third year? I said, absolutely. <laughs> and so we kind of asked, he asked me that question for um, four more years, I guess, and you're number seven. <laughs> he said, you know. He said, you know what? You know I want you to stay. Just let me know when you want to leave, you know. <laughs> so the answer to your question is that, you know, there's a community here based upon, I think, the origins of the school, no fraternities, no sororities. It, it kind of informs the place. You know, all the organizations are open, as we all know. And um, and so there's an interaction here that, that works. I think people arrive at Bates, you know, looking to uh, interact and engage with people, you know, to be – uh, a large, uh, be a part of a large whole, W H O L E, you know, and and that whole community approach um, works for me. I was doing housing when I first came. Um, I yes, I did international students. I did a portion of the residential life. Actually, in my third year, and I'm bragging a little bit, I did those things and also campus student activities, which is now campus life. And so here I was mixed in with the you know integrally with the whole student body. I almost knew everyone. You know, it was a bit smaller in population. When you do housing, you recognize every name and the whole bit. And so it was all working for me. So I was able to have great influence on, yes, the social scene. And then, you know, in terms of social life and then in terms of the life, in terms of speakers coming to campus and the whole bit and the calendar and all that, you know, there I was, you know, with my hands uh, fully involved uh, with it. So this level of responsibility and engagement is something I hope to be able to do, you know, in my career. And I was doing it at a young age and with a, a license to be free and to go about it all from uh, this great mentor, uh, Dean Kerrigan. And then I worked with some other people in my office uh, who were very uh, wonderful. Uh, one of them was, uh, she went, so Dean Kerrigan was the dean, and then another person, F. Celeste Brandon, became the dean of students uh, a few years later. When the three of us were working together, it was just uh, a very cohesive unit, 
and uh, and we, we made all kinds of great decisions and the whole bit. So it was, you know, I was doing what I wanted to do. So why leave and go somewhere else and have to start that over? Then, um, you know, you meet all the students here, and I got a new uh, uh, moniker for Bates, which is, you know, the most talented NESCAC. And I, <laughs> the talent on this campus is just remarkable. You know, far beyond the wonderful, incredible acapella groups, you know, we have all this talent and, you know, you know, you know well how it works. And, uh, you know, we, we can even work hard to maximize that. So to be in that community, especially when I was doing the whole student activities part um, gave me the opportunity to kind of like, you know, talk to people and say, hey, you know, you can do this, let's do this, you know, and, 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 and uh, lots of one. So life every day was just kind of be uh, a connection of uh, wonderful things going on, whether wonderful conversations and, uh, and just an enjoyable, you know, life. I lived on the campus um, before I was married, you know, and my wife, uh, she was you know, more than fine to live on the campus, you know, and with our children, they've grown up on the campus and, and, uh, you know, there was, you know, <laughs> my uh, son, my son, no, my daughter was a little bit afraid of the big bobcat, you know, when she was a kid. But, you know, he's cute. But more important is like that kind of engagement with all the students and, and their attention to my children and my family. Uh, been wonderful. So all those things mixed together to have sustained sustained me easily over these many years. And it's a small world because Clayton Spencer is obviously stepping down as president. Gary Jenkins is coming in. But Clayton Spencer and you went to middle school together. That is correct. When she was appointed, I mean, you, did you remember her from <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, people ask me that question often. Yeah. Did, our, did I remember her or did she remember yeah. me? Yeah. And, uh, and the answer is, you know, it's the same answer every time. Clayton Spencer and I talked this close every day. For eighth grade, ninth grade, and tenth grade, we were in the same classes, um, virtually, uh, virtual, all the same classes those three years, and uh, and yes, I knew her quite well. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, who knew, right? Um, interestingly, after tenth grade, my family, uh, so this uh, middle school was in North Carolina, and uh, my family moved from North Carolina to South Jersey after my tenth grade year, and. <clears throat> um, she, I didn't know this until her inauguration at Bates, that she had left that uh, 10th grade uh, school in North Carolina and gone to Phillips Exeter for, um, actually at that time, the, the, the first year where men and women went to school together at that, at that uh, independent school. So... And so the point is that many years went, and I kind of, oh, what's up with Ken Clayton Spencer? You know, it's now, now in eighth and ninth and tenth grade, <laughs> she was the number one student in the school, <laughs> all right? And all the rest of us got used to coming in number two. You never asked, you know, however well you did on a test. You just say, like, how'd you do? Oh, you know, oh, you came in second. You know, <laughs> you always knew she came in first. So, uh, <laughs> so I, after 35 years, I Googled her, you know, imagine, and uh, had a nice, uh, warm exchange with her uh, after I noticed that she was a uh, vice president at Harvard. So my first email to her, to her I said, oh, Clayton, James Reese, you know, uh, actually the subject line was old friend. Yeah. So I wasn't like, oh, no, if you remember me, it wasn't that. It was my old friend. And uh, so you're, you're vice president at Harvard. No surprise, I said. <laughs> and actually, quite honestly, that first email included, because I had mentioned that my wife was from Sri Lanka, and uh, we traveled there each summer. And she said, well, if you're flying out of Boston and uh, you want to park your car in my driveway while you're in Sri Lanka, just let me know. 
That was the first exchange after 35 years. Excellent. And then, well, I mean, for the point of President Bates, I mean, it was like, what, were your, what was kind of your reaction? I mean, were you were you part of that process? I wasn't part of the process because, no. you know, there are silent processes and all. Sure. You know, after uh, we had made that connection, uh, she had mentioned knowing uh, Peter Gomes. Mm-hmm. And when Peter Gomes passed, I'd heard she might come up to the uh, ceremony here. And she didn't happen to come up. And I think at that time it was kind of, it coincided with kind of how the uh, process was starting up. And, you know, candidates have to kind of, you know, they have to abide by um, secrecy and yeah. a little bit, you know. So I, so here it is, okay? And you're going to love this. <laughs> so it was a secret process, yeah. right? And I didn't have an inclination. It was Clayton might be. I didn't know who the new president was. None of us did. So it was the committee announced uh, that year that there would be an announcement on a December Sunday. So everyone is to show up at the gray cage at two o'clock on that Sunday. All right. We knew this a few days before. So on the Saturday before that announcement, uh, I went to a birthday party with my children and a bunch of other children and some other faculty and staff. So somebody said, Hey, um, does anyone have any, uh, heard any rumors about the new president? You know, you know that kind of chit chat. And so one person goes, you know, I've heard that it's a, it's a woman of color who is not in academia. So I was like, wow, okay. So the next morning, I get a phone call from the interim president, and she says, James, um, you know, for the uh, new president, you know, I think it would be appropriate if uh, you were at the dinner tonight you mm-hmm. know, for the new president. So I, he said, well, you'll be willing to come. So I said, yeah, yes, I will, you know. So I get off the phone, I go to my wife, and I said, you know, they just like inviting me to dinner, you know. I'll be blunt, you know. I said, you know, maybe it's a person of color or uh, somebody I know, all right. <laughs> and um, so then in that moment, I thought, I wasn't thinking of somebody I knew, you know, and if it was going to be, a, yes, it could be Clayton. I know a few other people might be qualified. But I jokingly said, if it's a woman color, now I have figured it out. Our next president at Bates is going to be Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> and uh, so everyone has some you know, humor. And uh, so then the announcement was at 2 o'clock, and I was standing beside one of my colleagues. And um, they said, oh, our, our new president is a graduate of Williams and is a um, uh, majored in history and in German. So I turned to my colleague and said, I know her. Yeah. It's a person called Clayton Spencer. You know, it's Clayton Spencer. You know, and then everyone's like, "Did you really know her?" Yeah, you know, does she know you? I said, "Yeah." I said, "Come up with me afterwards." You know, so in that initial uh, occasion, uh, I, I waited a few minutes. I had my colleague and my family aside and beside me, and we went up to say hello. You know. You know, I knew Clayton would remember me, but I put my children up front anyway because, you know, <laughs> they were kind of like, uh, what were they, 10 and 8 or something like that, or little 8 and 6. And um, so then she says hello to the children, and she looks up and goes, James! <laughs> and so that proved to my colleague that she knew me. Not only the expression, but she called me James because I've always been James rather than Jim. And so, so the colleague. So, um, so that was uh, wonderful. Uh, it just uh, 
you know, an amazing fact that, you know, after all this time of me being here and staying here and, you know, her uh, incredible career that, you know, we'd be on the same campus. You know, I have joked to people and people should take this as a, a motto, motto in life. Be kind to people in eighth grade. There you go. That's a great way to finish uh, the episode. Uh, Dean James Reese, thanks so much for joining us on the 300th episode of the Bobcast. Really appreciate it. Glad to be part of the 300th, and thank you for all you do, Aaron. The Bates baseball team hosts Thomas College this Thursday at 3.30, and they host the Kobe College Mules for a big NASCAC doubleheader this Saturday starting at noon. Meanwhile, the softball team hosts Bowden for a pair of games Friday at 3 o'clock. Men's lacrosse is home as well against Hamilton for Senior Day Saturday at 1 p.m. Find the complete schedule of events at GoBatesBobcats.com, and we'll catch you next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates, Bates, my